Hey gang, welcome to episode 25 of No Wristbands We Drink for Free. This is Papa Novak with my co-host Mark Joyner, and we've got Bill Rowe as our guest today. Bill is the co-owner of Trouble in Mind Records, along with his wife Lisa. We talk about how they got started and what it's like to run a record label. And of course, we talk about Chicago. We hope you enjoy this one. As always, don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at No Wristbands. And check out our Dig In blog on our website, NoWristbands.com, for new record reviews and Chicago show previews. Right, welcome back to No Wristbands. We drink for free. We are back with our newest episode featuring Bill Rowe of Trouble in Mind Records. How are you doing today, Bill? Pretty great. How are you? Oh, living the dream. <laughs> Indeed. Very balmy 20 degrees here in Chicago Ooh. today. <laughs> uh, so thanks so much for agreeing to come on. Uh, we always like to start people off with how'd you get to where you are now? So uh, you grew up in, in the outskirts of Dallas. Would you say the suburbs or we call those outer burbs? Uh, not really the suburbs. I, I definitely, it was a small sort of cow town called Weatherford, Texas. That was about 60, 60 minutes, uh, would that be east of Texas or east of Dallas? Excuse me. Um, yeah, just like on the outskirts of Fort Worth, people that it was kind of like a de facto suburb of Fort Worth, Texas. Cause people used to work at the McDonnell Douglas, uh, Air Force Base there mm-hmm. and okay. live in Weatherford. So, and but it was just like a small country town. And that's where your burgeoning music career started. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Uh, so, walk us through when you started to to make music. So, for those who don't know, you were in Coco Coma. Yep. Uh, when did you start getting the itch that you wanted to to make music, learn instruments, and play? Um, I mean, really, I started to really pay attention to music when I was about nine or 10 years old. My dad sort of got me into music, just listening in the car. And he would always make a point of pointing out like, oh, this is so-and-so and they're important because of this. And they did this great record and this is the song from it. Just making, you know, not saying so explicitly, but sort of like making it known that music has, you know, it's important and has mm-hmm. value. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that was sort of my first inkling of like, oh, music is cool. And then, Eventually, you know, you turn into a teenager, you get into punk rock and all that stuff. (laughs) So probably I was about 13 or 14 and my mom bought me. I was always interested in drums. I would listen to records and just play with drumsticks on the side of my bed Mm -hmm. when on an imaginary drum set (laughs) until my mom was like, I'm just going to buy you some drums. And so she found some drums at a church garage sale for, I think, 50 bucks or something. No cymbals, but I had all the other drums <laughs> close enough. Yeah. And uh, I made it work. So that was really my mom got me my first drum set. So that's really, and I still have it actually. Wow. That's awesome. Crazy. Uh, has that drum set appeared on any of your records? Um, no, but <laughs> it has appeared live on stage a few times. Okay. Oh, I like cool. it. Yeah. Uh, so when do you make the decision that you're like, I want a music to be my career mm. or is it something that you just, I would you're say like, I'll just call start a career. <laughs> All right. Sure. Fair. When did you decide that you're like, I want to go out on tour. I want to make music of my own. Um, probably it would have been when I came to Chicago. Like I started, mm-hmm. uh, I, I came here to go to the art Institute for college and just met, you know, like-minded right. folks there, right. of course. Sure. Um, started going to shows, meeting some people and then just started being like letting it known that I played drums. Hey, if anybody wants to do anything and sort of got involved with a bunch of people that, uh, were, affiliated and or loosely affiliated with this uh, place that was in Wicker Park at the time called the Autonomous Zone. Okay, and yeah. It was the A-Zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so there were people there and they had like equipment in the basement and you could just go and jam. So I would jam with a few people and that was sort of like nothing ever came of it, but it was just sort of like my first inkling of like, oh, and I, I kind of want to really do this. And mm-hmm. then some of my friends and I started a, a band together um, called the Hunter Proof Band and then we played for a while and then uh, I met Lisa and then from there we just sort of started talking about music and bands and started our own duo. It started off as a duo. And sure. Made it okay. More people. So it was just the two of us for a minute, bass mm-hmm. and drums. Uh, what was, drums. I, I'm assuming this era that you're talking about, I don't want to age you, but I'm assuming <laughs> this is like nineties era. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so mm-hmm. what, what's I'm 48. It's fine. <laughs> uh, well that's, that's a great age to be. Thank you. Uh, it, what is '90s era Chicago indie? What is the '90s era Chicago indie music scene like? Um, 
very active, very diverse. Uh, in fact, I just read that Bruce Adams yeah, book, I'm book. Stupid. Yep. Yeah. That gives you a really good impression of what mm-hmm. the Chicago music scene was like, at least in my experience. I'm sure it was different for many people, depending <laughs> mm-hmm. on sure. where you're right. coming from. But I was very much, I lived in Wicker Park in the early 90s through the mid 90s. And all the places he references and that I had been to, mm-hmm. seen shows at, yep. yeah. and, you know, drank at. Yeah. Um, Rainbow. You're a Rainbow guy? Yeah. yeah Love sure. Rainbow. Of course. Um, so. You know, it was it was cool and, and like tons of bands around shows every night. Like as a music fan in the 90s in Chicago, it was heaven. I could go see a show every night. And sometimes I did go mm-hmm. see a show every night um, between Fireside, Lounge Axe, Bottle, Jubas, everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was great. Not to mention just DIY spots, too. Right. But yeah. Yeah. It was great. Uh, so you're, you're plugging along do, is the band, are you feeling that rise or is it like, how are you judging? Like, yes, we should keep going. We should keep making music as we go forward. When, when Lisa and I first started the band, yeah. mm-hmm. um, I guess just, it was fun. And you know, we were just in a group of people that were very supportive and they were just mm-hmm. like, it, it wasn't like anything sort of formal. It was just sort of like, Oh, we're going to play a show. You guys want to play? Yeah, of course. And then it was just a bunch of friends and us and we'd all play together and it was great. Um, and then I think like we ended up sort of befriending a lot of people that were in the sort of whatever third or fourth wave of garage music that mm-hmm. was coming up around the early 2000s and sort of befriended the guys that run Goner Records in mm-hmm. Memphis, Tennessee. Sure. And told them we had a band and they were cool. And Lisa was playing in another band that um, the guys at Goner were really into called Headache City. And we f- we started our band, and we were like, oh, we have a band too. So if you ever want us to come play or do anything, mm-hmm. and so on, Goner Fest two, I believe, or three, um, one of the bands canceled, and they were like, do you guys want to play? And we'd played five shows maybe ever. <laughs> and it was like the main stage on Goner Fest, the high tone. You're like, I'm ready. We were for like, this okay, sure, sure, let's. Why not? Uh-huh. But you know, we were just like, we didn't give it. We right. didn't give a shit. So we did it and played and I guess they liked what they heard. And so they offered us to put out our record. And so mm-hmm. we put out, started putting out records on Goner. Man. So that, was, so that was probably when we were like, okay, let's just do this <laughs> for a while and see how it goes. We, we should also slightly back this up cause we're talking to bill, but um, you know, lease is just as important here. Absolutely. And, and so you see this girl and you think, wow, that is one cool check, right? And well, this is a funny story. <laughs> we actually met at the Empty Bottle in 2003. Who are we seeing? Um, uh, I was playing a show okay. in one of my other bands at this point. I had okay. a band for a while with other guys I worked with uh, when I worked at Dusty Groove, and we were called Stag Party, and it was sort of this <laughs> like uh, New York downtown, like 99 Records, ZSG influence, sure. kind of like mm-hmm. uh, funky art rock. I guess the best way to describe it. Uh, but it was super fun. Great band. And we had this like, just like the singer was just outrageous. And so we were playing this random show that we accepted opening for that garage band, the makers. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, for whatever reason. And so we played and that night I was wearing a full, like white zip up, like mechanics jumpsuit. (laughs) Yeah. Pete Townsend style. Yeah. I played bass in this band (laughs) and, I think I made some sort of joke from the stage and Lisa found Lisa was there and found it funny. And so after we played and, you know, took our stuff down and I was standing, just listening to the music, waiting for the makers to set up. So he taps me on the shoulder and is like, Hey, nice jumpsuit. And I turn (laughs) around and it's Lisa. And then we start talking and we talked the entire night. Wow. Really pay attention to the makers. Wow. wow. Exchange numbers. And the rest is history. Uh So that was 2003. So the lesson to be learned here is jumpsuits are always in. (laughs) They work. Okay. I, I mean, in my experience, yeah. mm-hmm. it works 100% of the time. <laughs> right. So I don't know what to tell you. So we, uh, some of the people we do this with are in a funk cover band called okay. the Funk Crusaders, and they exclusively wear jumpsuits. Mm-hmm. Oh, see, the there you go. Yes. And I think they've all pulled ladies from them. <laughs> I don't know. Yes. I'm making that up. Uh, so to be fair, it was the opposite. She, yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. See, that and, hasn't happened to them yet. Right. And if I understand correctly, I think I read this, that eventually you were married at the the empty bottle we were yes a uh, year and a half later we made wow. an empty bottle wow so um was that as late an event as their shows are like, <laughs> oh they'll get married at like uh, 30 I, I mean it did go late okay. but it started early um, uh-huh. that's but, awesome. yeah that was great 
Yeah. Uh, so you're you're. I, I was gonna say plugging away, but that sounds not good. Like you're you're riding the wave. You're putting out albums. You're enjoying it. You're going on tour and everything like that. Uh, and then in the late 2000s, 2009, I believe, you oh, decide, right. hey, you know what? We want to start a record label. Can you walk us through what that conversation was like and all the brainstorming that went into it? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so around that time, you know, Lisa and I had been together and married for a while. And we'd gone on tour with our bands. We'd gone to Europe twice. It was amazing. We got our experiences out of the way. And we're like, okay, we're kind of, let's start a family. Like, let's, let's do this. And so... Uh, we got pregnant, and so during this time, we were sort of like, well, we've built so many good friends and relationships and mm-hmm. sort of in, ingrained ourselves in this community, and yeah. we don't want that to really like right. go away or fade you love away. That. You yeah. love that community. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And so we were just trying to think of ways to keep that around us. I'm not sure what it could have been, and so I was like, well, I've always wanted to start a record label, and, mm-hmm. and so Lisa was like, let's do it. Like, Lisa's very much the like... <laughs> great sort of motivator and planner and she's like okay let's do it what here's what we need to do we just need to come up with some cash and we'll do this and we'll do this and so i sold my comic book collection mm. that i'd had since i was like eight years old uh-huh. which you- was extensive and i had some gems in there um <laughs> but yeah and we had a little nest egg and put out our first record which mm-hmm. was going to be uh this canadian band called the white wires is uh second release and we opted to do our own bands. So Coca Coma was the first release on mm-hmm. Trouble in Mind. Um, so we opted to do our own bands, what ended up being our last release, mm-hmm. our last single. Sure. And uh, so that was it. That sold well enough to fi- fund the next one. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of how we operated for at least the first year. Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of people have this idea like, hey, I want to do this thing. And fewer people actually do it. Yeah. What in you do you think? In, in both of you, right? I don't want to shortchange Lisa here. Uh, in you guys was like, yeah, we have this idea and we're actually going to go for it. I mean, I think that's just kind of our attitude. Like we decide that we're going to do something and we're like, okay, we're going to do yeah. it. How do we do it? And then we just figure out a way to make it happen. So as long as we're both like, let's do this, then we just do it. I don't know any other way to describe <laughs> it. Like we're just, we just have this, like Lisa, especially to her credit is just very much the like, you know, if somebody sort of like gets discouraged or whatever, she's very much the type of person that can be like, okay, no, let's not like, let's plan our way out of this, uh-huh. yeah. you know, and then she can do it. Like wow. she's amazing. So wow. now, now, you know, a, a, a record label, like for, for a real music fan is like always the dream. Like, yeah. oh, let's do <laughs> yeah. this. Right. And you've done it and you've done it for a considerable amount of time. Yeah. Um, somebody thinking about doing it, there has to be like a lot of things that you didn't think you were going to have to yeah. do oh, and, yeah. and, and lots of things that are like, Oh crap, this is so hard. That would make people like, yeah. give it a second thought before yeah. they did it. Well, I always jokingly, when somebody asks me like, what do you, what advice do you have for people that want yeah, to start yeah. a record label? I right. always jokingly say, don't, don't. <laughs> right. Like just don't, yes. uh, it's a joke, obviously, yeah. but, <laughs> right. uh, but it is, I mean, it is like, it, you know, of course you go into it, you're like, it's going to be so fun. We're going to do so many cool bands exactly. and hang out and do this cool stuff. And like, it's work. It's mm-hmm. like hard work. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, not even just the logistical mechanics of manufacturing a record, which is a whole other thing unto itself, mm-hmm. yeah. especially these days. Yeah. Right. But just the like, okay, so now we have the records. What happens next? How do we get them to stores? How do we get people to play them on the radio? How do we get people to just buy them? Mm-hmm. You know, anywhere. Yeah. Um, and so that's just like, that's a whole other set of things that, you know, you're just like, you romanticize it. You're like, sell the shows. It'll be so cool. And then you're, you sell a few at some shows and then you have like 300 more to go <laughs> through. And you're like, oh, what them. do we do with these? Yeah. yeah. Um, so... Um, I'm, I'm sorry. I totally cut you off. Keep going. No, 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 no. Um, I was going to say, so like, is it that you figure it out by like sheer dumb luck? Uh, you, you had a record label that you, that you'd worked with before this, like, I forgot. I'm sorry. Goner. Goner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well, basically when we decided we were going to do it, I mm-hmm. was like, well, let's talk to the guys at Goner mm-hmm. let's talk to, we had a friend, this guy, Brian, that ran a label in Atlanta called Douchemaster Records <laughs> and put out the first like Gentleman Jesse record and a bunch of Carbonos and things like that, like some of like big, bigger garage sort of things sure. happening at, around mm-hmm. that time. 
And, you know, we were friends with them. And so we were just sort of like pick their brain and I would text them or call them with like, I'm sure really stupid questions. (laughs) Right. And that's what you do. I do, I do it today to this day because I'm like, how else is anybody, how do we continue this sort of legacy and like whatever you want to call it right of you know keeping this culture alive somebody i mean it's this age-old like you know the elders quote unquote um you know (laughs) passing along the wisdom passing along the wisdom like you know however stupid you want to think it is but Mm -hmm. it's true it's just like you you ask people really dumb questions and then hopefully they're kind enough to answer you Mm -hmm. yeah and then you go from there so you rely on your community definitely yeah I love that. Yeah. So um, is it is it largely a, a I mean it, there there has to be variances on this but like you talked about selling records mm. whatever. I mean it, it's kind of a partnership between you and the band. Like for sure. It's not just up to you to sell the records. They also have to play their part. So does that vary a lot based on certain bands and or is everybody kind of get with the program? I mean, I feel like everybody at this point knows the score. But I mean, there there are a few uh, early on, at least there were a few bands or artists that we worked with that. I mean, we also knew knew going in, but it was sort of like they were bedroom projects or mm-hmm. like home recorded projects sure, that were sure. just like one person in a studio, home studio mm-hmm. making music. And we're like, well, there's not a live band, so there's probably not going to be any touring. But if you right. wanted to start a live band and tour, that would be really awesome. Right. <laughs> but no pressure. And that's kind of how we are. It's, you know, if we like a band or we like the album that was sent to us, we like it. And if we want to put it Mm -hmm. out, we want to put it out no matter what. Right. But everything works better when the band tours and everything works better when the band promotes and Mm -hmm. posts on social media or goes into their local record store and says, hey, I'm in a band. This is my record. Right. You know, it all works better when bands do that. But for us, it's not necessarily uh, key as long as everybody knows that going in like mm-hmm. there are expectations that you need to have if you're like okay this label's putting on my record i'm a solo home recorded project one person band and you know i don't have a live band none ever have a uh there's no live band mm-hmm. ever gonna happen mm-hmm. right like you have to understand that there's only so much a label can do right? yeah you know realistically mm-hmm. so every now and again one in a million shot something happens right. and it explodes but by and large, it's like if you you get we always say you get what you give mm-hmm. in this sort of business industry, mm-hmm. yeah. whatever you want to call it, <laughs> community. Um, but if you give one hundred and ten percent, then hopefully you get it back, or at least mm-hmm. if you put in the hard work, then it you'll get some return. What do you think has been the most eye-opening thing to you over the past uh, fourteen years? Fourteen years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, fourteen years. Uh, it's so expensive. Mm. It's just a never ending money suck. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't say that to discourage anyone, uh-huh. but I mean, we, I mean, we don't come from, neither one of us come from money. We're f- totally working class backgrounds, mm-hmm. but like, you know, it's just sort of like, unless you are independently wealthy, just be prepared to be broke all the time, mm-hmm. yeah. like all the time. So that, for, I think, was probably the most thing. I, and not that I expected us, you know, I knew the type of music that we were releasing, and I was like, we're not going to be millionaires. Sure. Right? <laughs> and, but I was sort of yeah. like, I should be able to live off this, right? Um, stupidly. I yeah. was thinking that to myself <laughs> at one point. Um, but no. Yeah. No. We do, we did a show with Tony Simos from uh, Tone Deaf sure. Records, yeah. and, and he's like, you know, everybody wants to open a record yeah. store, except <laughs> his advice is, don't yeah. because you're not going to make any money, you right. know? So do you have a family? Well, no. <laughs> I mean, it's totally true. I mean, right. the only reason I think we were able to sort of carry on and have a family at the same time is that we sort of started them both at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Like if you've already got kids, uh-huh. you know, right. then those expenses. Yeah. yeah. You, you're, you know, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not, not going to happen. <laughs> we should Probably. retitle the podcast, what not to do with your career. Sure, Everyone's yeah, like, don't yeah, do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't mean to say any, all of this to discourage anyone. <laughs> no, no, seem no. Like this is like the worst job yeah. in the world. It's totally not. No, no. I think it's amazing. Uh, uh, I just want to be totally honest and real mm-hmm. here. <laughs> right? I mean, you, you went out on a limb and you're still out there, right? You're still yeah. doing the damn thing. That's right. amazing. I mean, luckily we've, we've been very fortunate to have uh, some good successes along the way. So that mm-hmm. has been great. 
uh, I'm, I'm sure it's like really hard to a certain extent for you to like predict what's going to do well and what's not. Uh, has there ever been, I'm sure there has been, what are some examples of some, you don't have to say their names, but I'm sure it's happened. <laughs> I don't something that you're names. like, Oh, I don't, I mean like this is something I'm putting out because I'm passionate about it. And then it like catches on that, that happens. Oh, more times I mean, not. I mean, I can name names that I thought you were going to go you the other way. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, I will say we, we put out the, uh, the first, well, I mean, actually, the one of the first LPs we put out was the first Michael. We put out the first Michael Cronin record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, Michael was just a friend. It was like the similar thing to what I was speaking of earlier, where it's like he was a friend we met in this community of people. Mm-hmm. We played with their, his other band. We were just friends. And he was like, I've been working on these solo recordings. And we were like, let's hear them. And so he started sending us recordings, and that mm-hmm. ended up becoming the first album. And... You know, we knew it was great, obviously. And so we were like, this is going to be great. Like, people will love this. And so it came out and people really loved it. Mm-hmm. And we, it was just sort of like we had to repress super quick. And it was like it sold out immediately. Like, it was just like a total shock. Um, and yeah, I think that that was one that really sort of came at us out of left field. Now that that sort of brings up another question you talk about we had to repress really quick like yeah. if that happened today could you even do that no. cuz right not at all you yeah got, like what it, we we've interviewed um Andy Weber Andy Weber smash thank plastic. you yeah, smash yeah. plastic yeah uh and he says it's like months and months and months 9 months right yeah. now mm-hmm. is That's the turnaround crazy. time yeah. at smash plastic yeah specifically yeah. um but they're getting a third press mm-hmm. he says in i think may is what he yeah. said and that should open up a lot of space. And he, they were saying that would cut their production time in half. It's amazing. So yeah. we'll see. It's great to have them Hopefully. here in Chicago. Yeah. hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. Right. Yeah. Would it's they a dream? So yeah. are, do you do all your pressing through them or do you spread? We the have wealth? been doing a lot recently through them only mm-hmm. because, especially during the pandemic, but only because like they're local Yeah. and their turn times were still, I mean, they're super long, but they were still, they still remain some of the best mm-hmm. at the moment. So you know, I don't know. You go pick yeah. them up. Too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and that's the thing. Like our distros in, in Bloomington and in Indiana. So mm-hmm. really if like, if we had to, and we have done this, mm-hmm. we, a record gets pressed in the afternoon. We pick them up, drive them to right. Bloomington. Man, somebody yes. meets us at the distro and we drop them off at it's, the loading dock. Your distros, uh, secretly, right? Secretly Canadian, that's that's yeah. cool. Yeah. They just had like a 20th year anniversary or something. Something like that. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so what were, what would you say like the core tenants, uh, of starting the label where was it just like, Hey, we have to like this or were there more to it? Like more rules or regulations around like what you wanted to put out? Uh, I mean, there was never really a strict, I mean, we didn't even when it didn't even go into it with sort of like, we're only going to release punk rock or garage rock or post punk or whatever. Mm-hmm. We just sort of like, we're going to release music that we like no matter what it is. Um, but really going into it, our only criteria is that Lisa and I both have to be into it hundred mm-hmm. percent. Sometimes convincing can happen. <laughs> okay. It's happened I was before. Ask. Yep. Yeah. yep. Um, Lisa likes to talk about my, my method, which is <laughs> w- where if something comes in and we're both immediately not like, holy crap, that's the greatest thing I've ever heard. Maybe I'm the one that's like, holy crap, that's the greatest thing I've ever heard. And Lisa's like, yeah, I need to listen more. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, Okay. And so my method is I just start to play it just in the background. <laughs> oh, we're making dinner, throw it on. We're sitting on the couch, answering emails, throw it on. We're in the car, driving around, throw it on. And then it just gradually seeps, seeps in <laughs> until the, the, whenever I know that I got her is when she's like, wait, what is this again? Uh, yes. And that's how they put out the first Taylor Swift album. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, how, you know, uh, uh, aside from her earlier interest in the Grateful Dead, yeah. you know, <laughs> regrettably, but um, um, are you guys generally on the same page? You have oh, yeah. similar music tastes? And, oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, Grateful Dead aside, and I, <laughs> I always kid her about that, but yeah. be- only because, like, I mean, I don't, I don't care for the Grateful Dead personally, but... Um, the <laughs> they were skilled musicians. Well, say what you want about them. That's, yeah, I'm sure it's all true. But the thing was is that she kept it from me uh, from like the first six months of our of our relationship. And yeah. we were at the Gold Star in Wicker Park, uh, yeah. hanging out with a bunch of friends, drinking, as you do. <laughs> and one of our other friends put on a Grateful Dead song on the jukebox and started talking about the time that he saw them somewhere. 
And Lisa was just like, oh, is that the show where he played rain and called for rain and then it rained? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, wait, how do you know that? (laughs) And that's when I found out that Lisa toured with the dead. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. That's almost a deal breaker right there. Nah, I was fine. I was too deep. (laughs) I I mean, I I look at it. it, it, It's just like... um, it, it it proves that she loves music. Yeah. It, it, yeah. She's for she's sure. A, she's passionate about it. <laughs> Absolutely. So, she's I mean, that, dedicated. That we, we all do that. It might not be with the Grateful Dead, but I'm not here to police anyone's case, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> yes. like, uh how close do you think or how far away either way, uh do you feel like uh you are to what you thought the record label would be when you started? Oh, that's a really good question. Um Probably pretty far, only because that I'd never really, th- I mean, I do this, I, I do this full time. This is my job, quote unquote. <laughs> um, but um, I guess in that respect, I never would have thought that I would have been able to quit my job and mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. do the record label. Like never, ever. Like mm-hmm. what? No. Um, so that's probably the biggest thing right there. But no, I, I th- it's pretty far removed. I, I really just thought we were like, oh, we'll put out records for like five years and then it'll just peter out and that'll be fine. You- well, here's my thing. Like uh, initially I would have been like, Oh, I like this band and this band and this band. And like, we get them and we put, put out their records and then it's like, wait, we got to keep doing this. Well, how do we find these other bands? And so suddenly you have to like, I don't know, expand your universe to find for sure worthy bands to put out. And they're well, not they're, especially at the beginning, they're not going to seek you out. Well, actually we were lucky in that okay. people did actually kind of seek <laughs> okay. us out. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it all boils back down to what we were talking about with, you know, being in that sort of scene or community. And it's like, you just sort of get to know people and you're like, oh, yeah, that guy that's in that band, he was that guy I always used to see at shows. And mm-hmm. like, oh, that guy formed a band. That's cool. And then you just sort of like start to all, you know, coagulate together. And then, <laughs> you know, bands start to happen. You make connections. You go on tour. You sure. meet other bands. You play right. with bands in different cities. And like, you just start to network, if that's for lack of a better mm-hmm. word. And, you know, then when we did something like, oh, let's start a record label. We love that White Wires record. Let's, let's give them a shout and see if they want to put it out. And they did. And then, you know, we were friends with Ty Siegel. And so, mm-hmm. you know, he was, we were label mates and friends. And so we we're like, Ty, you want to put a single out? And we put out an early Ty Siegel single, and that did really great. And mm-hmm. then we put out a fresh and only single, also friends of ours. You know, that we just met through playing shows. Yeah. And that's ultimately, if, if I can give advice to any band, like, doesn't matter. Just go play shows anywhere and everywhere you can, because you never know who you're going to meet. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, so how do you decide what you're going to release? Well, again, it, again, it has to be it has to both of us being stamps. Like, yeah. yeah, we're 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 into this, um, and then I mean, you, there are just other sort of amorphous things you have to consider. Like earlier, we were speaking of like bands touring. Like, okay, is this an active band? Mm-hmm. How active are they? Are they going to tour? How much are they going to tour? Is it just going to be regional shows? Can they do a full U.S. tour? Can they do a European tour? You know, all these things have to play into it, and then that's sort of like okay. Ultimately, if we like it, we like it and we'll put it out. It doesn't matter. But at that point, you're like, okay, well, how many do we press? Like, mm-hmm. do we only do 500? Yeah. I mean, right. this is just like a small band and it'll just be what it is. That's fine. But we is, don't want to break the bank. Is 500 here. the lowest amount that you guys press? Yeah. Okay. At, at any point in time, that's always been the lowest. Just mm-hmm. because it's like between giving a cut to the bands, our direct sales, and then any sales that go through distros or shops, it's mm-hmm. like... If the records, you know, if it does even like remotely well, mm-hmm. you're going to burn through three to 500 copies really quick. Oh, wow. Or somewhat quick. At yeah. Least. <laughs> that, it's a good problem to have. Right? You know, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't really look at repressing a record negatively until the past two or three years, mm-hmm. <laughs> honestly, because I'm like, oh, no, we got to repress. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So long. Um, uh, would you say, we're going to jump ahead a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Would you say that like, Obviously, there were a lot of really difficult challenges based who everyone was facing because of COVID and everything. Yeah. Uh, would you say that like that supply chain just getting so slowed down was one of the biggest ones? I mean, for one, I was reading, you know, obviously the bands you guys are are putting out albums for, they couldn't tour. So yeah, that, right. that would seem yeah. to be a hindrance. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I will say we we were fortunate, at least in the beginning of everything, that the way that 
we have to sort of plan things out through the distro. We were six to eight months ahead of release dates for a lot of our records during that time. So for the first year maybe of like lockdown and mm-hmm. COVID happening, we were doing pretty good because kind we of on things, schedule. everything yeah. was going and yeah. in motion and we were just like, okay, yeah. these are going to come out even though the right. bands can't tour. Well, right. well, um, so, you know, we at least had things happening and things we could post about on social media or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but then really the biggest like hindrances from all of that happened to us this, this past year. Okay. Because all those things mounting up like, okay, bands were in lockdown. They couldn't rehearse. Mm-hmm. They couldn't write new material. And then when they write new material, they, you know, lockdown happens again somewhere and they, ha- they can't record or mm-hmm. situations, mitigating circumstances. Somebody's sick now. Oh, we had to delay because somebody got sick. You know, just things started stacking up. Right. Then the record pressing plant delay started happening. Right. And so all of that sort of started to just collapse on top of each other last year for us. Okay. Um, and then last year we put out three LPs. We normally put out an average of one a month. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So it was pretty dark. <laughs> and that's sort of when I started, I launched this uh, cassette series called, right. that we call the Explorer series. Just mm-hmm. sort of like, you know, the weirder, right. more out stuff, experimental music, like weird, crazy jazz, sure. you know, avant folk stuff, yeah. like just like synth stuff, like all the stuff that were like, well, I don't know that we would have spent $7,000 to put a full like push behind this, but I like this enough. Let's put it out on cassette, at least get it out into the world. Like that's great. And I'm not, I don't say that to diminish anybody's work <laughs> mm-hmm. at all, but sure. Um, it was quick and it was easy. So we did it. Did mm-hmm. you ever think you would be dealing and selling cassettes again? Uh, no, no, <laughs> honestly, no. Um, the cassette revival started happening and, and the cynic in me was like, Oh, whatever. It'll be done in like <laughs> right? three years. Um, I just don't know where all these people have not. these cassette players. Yeah. I mean, people are, I mean, we, uh, I work Sundays, speaking of tone deaf, I work Sundays right at tone deaf mm-hmm. and we started doing, uh, mixtapes, just like mm-hmm. shop mixtapes. Yeah. Like I made one, Tony made one. That's awesome. Um, but so many people now have been like, well, now I got to get a cassette player. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, you do. Right. right. You yeah. Can't stream it anywhere. <laughs> Yeah, very true. Yeah. Um, so you only put out three last year. How is this year looking for you guys? Twenty twenty three. We're at the, the forefront. It's stacked. so stacked. Okay. okay, that's a good um, problem. Yeah. Yeah, we've got a record coming out every month up through June, and then there are a few that are in the works right now um, that'll be recording or are recorded, and we're going to start sending them into production soon. But I could list some things out for yeah, you. Yeah, sure. please, please do. Um, yeah. Actually, on the day we're recording this tomorrow. January 27th is the release date for uh, this band from London we're putting out called The Tubs, a uh, record called Dead Meat. So that's their debut album. We put out an EP from them last year. Uh, so that's coming out in first release, 2023, starting with a bang. Mm-hmm. And then Anna Tandon Anna, this band from Paris that we love and have put out all their records so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, third record is coming out in the end of February called Principia. It's amazing, totally amazing. Uh, Connections are in March, this Ohio band. Uh, that's their sixth record, I think. Second with us, but sixth okay. record overall. Um, so that's at the end of March. And then hasn't been announced yet, but then the new Fax record is coming oh, out ooh, beginning of go. April. Okay. Yeah. It's very, very good. Um, called Still Life in Decay. That's on April 7th. Scoop for everybody. Excellent. <laughs> um, and then May is a New Zealand band called Guardian Singles. Okay. Uh, it's a great sort of like post-punk band. Awesome. Sound like the the sound or Mission of Burma or something mm-hmm. like that. Really, really good. Here for that. We put out a record. Yeah. We reissued their first record from like the year before last year. Or No, God, two years ago. What is time? Two years ago. <laughs> two years ago. Uh, and this is the new newest one. Uh, and then in June, we're putting out the second solo record by Martin Frawley, who used to be in the Twerps, uh, Australian band. Yeah. Busy, cool. busy. And That's then, awesome. so then after that, Milena's have a new record coming. It's it's here. We just got to submit it. Milena's a uh, band from Leipzig that we just started working with called Onion. Mm-hmm. I like um, the name. Yeah. <laughs> They're awesome. Uh, Sun Watchers just recorded a new one that'll be coming out at some point. CB Radio Gorgeous, local mm-hmm. punks. Wow. Uh, and then Mountain Movers from New Haven have a new record too. Just got to get it all. 
<laughs> Got to get it wow. all in there. <laughs> You're going to be busy. My goodness. I'm already busy, but I'm going to stay busy. Yeah. Well, then yeah. we want to say thank you again for taking the time to talk yeah. to us. Right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm glad this finally worked out. I know we were sort of going back and forth for yeah. a long time, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm glad we made it work. Is it is is it easier for you to work with a band from Chicago as opposed to somebody from else, elsewhere? Like, you know, facts, you know, you, yeah. you, you can dialogue with them more right. immediately. You're involved in the scene. Yeah. You can help, you know schedule thing whatever yeah um, uh i mean just from like a, a literal logistical standpoint working with a local band of course mm-hmm. yeah absolutely like yeah brian from facts for example is like we're going on tour i forgot I, we need some records um right. i'm like yeah come by yeah and pick them up you know we have them at our house mm-hmm. um so yeah probably so but i mean you know it, it's all just like everybody has their own things <laughs> so right. working with one band is just as easy in a certain way as it is with another and it's not so easy in another way so you know it it's it's all a give and take but mm-hmm. yeah probably so ultimately is my final answer it's easier to work with a local band uh and do you feel like <laughs> makes sense uh <laughs> do you feel like uh is it important to the label to put out chicago bands or is it just like Hey, whatever we like, we like, we'll put it out. Uh, ultimately, I think it's whatever we like, we'll put it out. But I do, of course, I, we take a certain special pride in being like, yeah, this is a local right. band. This yeah. is our, this is Chicago. Right. Um, you know, we've put out all the fax records so far and it's like one of the greatest honors to be able, I mean, like I, you know, I've, we were talking about going to see the Fireside Bowl, yeah. shows at the Fireside Bowl. Absolutely. You know, I would go see 90 Day Men at the Fireside Bowl. Yeah. So I've, you know, seen Brian around for forever, mm-hmm. you know, and I was friends with him when he, when he was in the ponies, you know, and like all mm-hmm. this stuff disappears. And so it's like just, you know, having this person that I sort of went through, you know, maybe not the same experiences, but a similar experience, yeah, sure. you know, in my formative musical youth um, and now to sort of be, you know, partners in this venture together yeah, is amazing. Awesome. It's got to feel really good. Yeah, mm-hmm. completely. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to ask you one more record label question, then we're going to pivot into... Well, I have one, too. Okay, well, you then are. you take it away. Yeah. Oh, you um, go ahead. Um, mine, I mean, you, you've ref- referenced in the past um, Wax Tracks Records, yeah. Touch and Go Records, and, yeah. and both of those were record labels that were kind of you know known for a certain type of music, yeah. certain type of sound, whatever, yeah. and... That's not as true for you guys. And, you know, I know that you've talked about sort of like now that you've done it for 14 years or whatever, um, you know, the legacy of like, I hope people look at our label and think that it was like well curated, like, like, like those people had good taste, (laughs) of course. Yeah. But I mean. How, you know, how do you feel about that 14 years down the line? I mean, if you're <laughs> wanting me to examine our legacy 14 years <laughs> in while we're still a label, I can't do it. Um, I hope that someday when the label does not exist anymore, which I'm sure it will at some mm-hmm. point, um, that there is some hindsight is 2020 sort of, uh, uh, you know, mm-hmm. viewpoint. Because I, I certainly couldn't tell you right now when we're in it. Um, we have, I mean, you know, the label's gone through phases sonically probably, but that I think re- just reflects, uh, maybe sort of what Lisa and I were yeah. listening mm-hmm. to or into more into at that time. <laughs> right. Just as uh, long which as is, you- which is only natural. Yeah. yeah. And that's, yeah. that's, that's how I feel yeah. too. And so, um, you know, I, no shade to any label that's like, we're only going to release post-punk or we're only going to release jazz mm-hmm. or what have you. Um, that's great. More power to you. But mm-hmm. yeah. I just... I am such just, I hate the term music fan, but I'm a music fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when people say, oh, I'm a music fan. Uh, I'm, well, but I, I legitimately, like I listen to music every single day yeah. from like almost the minute I wake up, something's playing. Um, because I just, I can't function without it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I, well, I feel like with Spotify's music streaming now, I feel like yeah. it's much more prevalent for people to be like, pick and choose what they like versus like, yeah. I only like one lane of music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think, I think, I mean, I had that attitude even before um, streaming was a th- even a thing. But it, it's just sort of, I, I just feel like, uh, you know, my listening habits go through trends. But you know, if you were to come into our house and look at our record collection, you would see just about everything. Yeah. Um, like genre-wise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Um, 
this is a joke question, so you don't have to answer it honestly. But uh, <laughs> do you ever like look back at something you guys put out and you're like, "Ooh, I don't like that." I, don't know oh, what I was thinking no, back then. No, no, never. I mean, like, like I said, we we don't put it out unless we like it. So yeah. whatever baggage may or may not come along, you know, in the aftermath of putting said record out, ultimately it, the music is what mattered. And mm-hmm. you went I, like 2012, Bill. What were you thinking? <laughs> No, no, not at all. Totally kidding. Uh, thank you for being a sport. Yeah, uh, so we're going to ask you some Chicago-based questions now. Oh, boy. So uh, you can feel free to add as much or as little context to these <laughs> as you want. So okay. they could be real quick or they could be long-winded. Up to you. The first is, uh, are you a deep dish or thin crust pizza fan? As far as my preference goes, I like I like the deep. Okay. Oh, but specifically... One. We like Lou Malnati's. Okay. I know that's a controversial mm-hmm. maybe thing. Lou Malnati's is my favorite Chicago deep dish. I like it. A lot of fans here. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that at right. all. Yeah. Yes. Uh, what is your favorite venue to see a show in Chicago? And mm-hmm. then when you were playing shows, what was your favorite venue to play? Uh, the bottle. Empty bottle. I mean, mm-hmm. it holds a special place in our heart, obviously, because right. that's where Lisa and I met. <laughs> you must right? have liked it. But I mean, I've seen, I've seen so many amazing shows mm-hmm. there. Um, it's just comfortable. We've, we know people that work there. It just feels like a mm-hmm. home away from home it's at a certain point. Sure. Right. Um, it definitely did f- at a certain period of time. Um, <laughs> I worked there for a little while, too. So, you know, I just I have a soft spot in my heart for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think it's just it's a really good sounding room, yeah. especially they have it dialed in at this point. So yeah, it just really sounds good. really good in there. And if you can get a good spot, you can see everything. Where's it's awesome. uh, the best spot to be? Uh, back by the soundboard on the back stairs. Okay. I don't want to give away my spot. Maybe <laughs> but anyway, back in the back by the soundboard mm-hmm. on the stairs near the column. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel like I always end up like down the aisle by the bar because you got to think where's the sound coming? Mm-hmm. Like who's managing, you know, managing the sound. It's the sound mm-hmm. guy. Yeah. So he's going to make it sound good from where the sound person, I should say, I don't know what yeah. it would be, but, uh, <laughs> they're, they are making it sort of sound the best from where their vantage point is. So if you're close to the soundboard, it's going to sound great. Well, I mean, that makes sense. Uh, but drunk Mark has other ideas. Yeah. <laughs> sure, of course. You want to be right up front. Yeah, right. I got to be close to that bar. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I have. I have a question. Sort of. This is yeah. slightly unrelated to it. But I had read something that, like a year or two ago, um, Lisa was putting in for a permit to to have some music at at Portage Park. Oh or something. yeah, um, that was a crazy pandemic plan. We uh-huh. were just sort of like, okay. We can't throw shows inside, so right? we'll throw them outside, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so we'll take it to the streets. Um, so, yeah, we were like, we'll just, like, we live near Portage Park. Like, mm-hmm. screw it. Let's, like, throw a generator or use the power from the field house, and we'll mm-hmm. just, like, have an outside show. And, I mean, you can't just go do that, obviously. <laughs> right. Uh, well, it depends could. on how DIY you're you trying You could, to be. but you would yeah. probably get shut down or arrested. Yeah. <laughs> right. Trying to have a full um, show or not. Yeah. So... You look into getting permits and licenses or whatever, all the stuff you have to do. And it's just, it's, it's a big old pain in the ass. Yes. <laughs> Lots of red tape. So yeah. I find that hard to believe. Didn't, it didn't mm-hmm. end up happening, okay. but it was a great idea for a while. Yes. I like it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm very interested to get your perspective on this next question. Oh boy. Uh, because a, you came up through the scene and now as a record label owner, what do you think makes Chicago a unique music scene? Or just unique in general. Uh, I think the fact that we're sort of, uh, for lack of a better term, a, a flyover uh, city, like or tour over a city mm-hmm. from L.A. to New York and or vice versa, that we just get a lot of, or at least we did for a while, a lot of everything just coming through. Like any every band would play here. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so, especially in the 90s, like everybody played here. And yeah. you could go, you're like, I wonder if I could go see Stereo Lab. And then they're coming. <laughs> You know, like a year, you know, within a year, they're going to mm-hmm. play. Yeah. And it's like insane. Yeah. Like, um, so I Not think that, that they recorded an album year. Yeah. Yeah. And so that I think, you know, that sort of offers us a unique uh, position in the geography. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I always think of it as like when I'm thinking like, oh, I really want to see this band. I feel like they have to play Chicago because they have to kiss the pitchfork ring. You know, they have to be like, <laughs> I don't oh, have, we're paying I have no idea to. that. Yeah. But, um. <laughs> That's just my, my very, uh, I don't know, naughty way of thinking. No, about I think it. it's, yeah. it's, it's often a good, you know, Midwestern launching yeah. 
point. Yeah. Because there's a lot of a other lot of cities places. surrounding sure. it yeah. where bands don't have to dr- drive really far yeah. and, and can go play. So. Yeah. And I think also in, in sort of a reference to that specifically, like bands that would start in Chicago or say, you know, in Detroit or, you know, Madison or mm-hmm. Milwaukee or wherever, right. that sort of uh, closeness of, or congestion of cities like clustered up here that are like major cities and like have a nightlife and a culture and mm-hmm. people that mm-hmm. want to go see live music. Like it just affords a, a little sort of level of like, we have this sort of like mini touring circuit. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And that sort of, you know, works its own magic. Right. Um, and, 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 and a lot of those cities have a kind of a similar ethos, you know, yeah, yeah. that for Western sure. vibe, especially and, Midwest cities. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're yeah. Drink exactly. cheap beer, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's, you know, on the East Coast, there's plenty of places you can play that are close right. by and all of that, and, and everybody does it, but there's also that Midwestern area that that is is prime territory for yeah. it. For sure, and it's, it's everything's close enough, but also far enough away that you don't lose any audience. Mm-hmm. Like, say, yeah. you're like, we're going to play Chicago, then sure. we're going to play Milwaukee. Right. Like, even though it's pre- they're pretty close together, mm-hmm. like, you could, mm-hmm. you know, you can drive there in an hour, necessarily. Right. Depends on how fast uh, you're going. Right. Um, But, you know, it's very close, but Mm -hmm. the scenes are far enough apart or the cities are far enough apart. I should say that the scenes don't necessarily overlap. And you can have as good a show in Milwaukee as you would in Chicago or vice versa. So, yeah, Yeah. it's a good point. Uh, Who what this is a a loaded question. So I'm going to try and like pare it down into what you can answer. So uh, uh, if you don't want to name one, name some Chicago bands that have like made a really big impact on you or you've really enjoyed over the years. Oh, I mean, everyone that we've ever worked with, obviously, if we're, you know, taking the, our time and money <laughs> and, you know, you know, just sort of <laughs> mental well-being to, you know, work with them and put their records out and put all the energy into it, then we love them all. You know, mm-hmm. they can scan our facts, um, ethers, you know, all the, all of these bands, mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, I'm sorry. What was the question again? Yeah. What Chicago what, bands? Yeah. What Chicago bands do you like? Oh, or like oh hit, so anyway, made an impact on aside you? from bands that we put out, um, let me think. Um, I really love, actually, I just went to see this band recently, uh, last week called blush scars. I don't know if you've heard of them. Mm, no, I've not. Uh, local band. Great. Okay. Um, they were awesome. Um, then I like, uh, Oh my God, you're going to kill me with this question. <laughs> We can move on to the next one. Let's move on to the okay. next question. So the next question is, uh, what have you been listening to lately? Oh, see. He's ready. I was speaking of my list earlier, and <laughs> yeah. I have to do this because I'm always put on the spot. Oh, yeah. And even though I'm always listening to music, when I'm put on the spot, my mind instantly goes blank. Everybody is Sure. Um, yes. It so automatically happens. I thought about it today, and I wrote a few things down just okay. so that I wouldn't forget. <laughs> this is totally nerdy, but this is how my brain works. Mm-hmm. I respect um, it. Okay, so... There's a newish band, I think maybe they're teenagers, um, from the East Coast called The Laughing Chimes. Uh, Slumberland just put out their EP. Mm, yeah, yeah, uh, I have listened to that. Zoo Avenue. Yeah, yeah, uh, that is EP. good. It's really, really great. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a band from Cleveland that we just heard about uh, that put out a record at the end of last year called Non Bruises. Really sort of like, again, that sort of like Midwestern hard work in indie rock kind sure. of sound. Like it just reminds me of all the great like GBV, Yola Tango, and they're sort of like older too. Mm-hmm. So they've sort of got like, they know what they're doing. Right. Um, great record. Just self-titled non-bruises. Uh, new Cheater Slicks record is amazing. Uh, I don't know if any Cheater Slicks fans out there. Uh, Columbus, Ohio band. Totally amazing. New one on In the Red. Uh, uh, the reissue, or oh, actually they're not local. What am I talking? We're talking about local bands. No, it could be anything. Oh, no, anything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this band from Berlin called Kulku, it's sort of like this, like, uh, experimental music jazz collective. Okay. This record they put out last year called Fahren, F-A-H-R-E-N. Uh, it's this sort of like crazy mix of free jazz and kraut rock wow. and like, just sort of like weird experimental music and like, uh, you know, drone and... <laughs> It's just that really cool and uh-huh. great, and it doesn't really sound like any other band going on right now. I just it, like I heard it by chance last year, and it was just like totally, yeah, like enamored with it. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's how you find the best stuff at times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now we're gonna ask you one last question. Oh, it's our favorite question. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
we are big fans of of cheap beer right cheap drinks uh-huh. um, currently just finished a high life uh what is your go-to cheap drink and if you don't drink anymore I know you came in hot and heavy with some uh, Arizona iced tea. Arizona iced tea. It's my uh-huh. my, my one weakness right now, for better or for worse. Um, probably my go-to, like if we go to, you know, we'll go see a show or go to the bar. Like Lisa still drinks. I don't drink anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always club soda with lime. Okay. Simple. Straight up. I like Crisp, it. light, yeah. refreshing. Not going to give you a hangover. Not going to give me? Yeah. Hopefully not. You can yeah. stand back in your corner. At the empty right. bottle, right. sip on one, have a great time. <laughs> right, great sound. That's okay, great. yes. Uh, so I lied. One more thing. Uh, <laughs> what is if I want to know what the label's up to? I want to know what you're doing. How do I find out what's going yeah. on with with Trouble Mind Records? You can right. go on our website and sign okay. up for our mailing list. That is the best way to find out. Um, for you know, if you're not sort of someone who's on the internet two four seven like me, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's part of my job. To be fair. Sure. Um, but uh, you can go to our website, sign up for our mailing list, troubleinmindrecords.com. Uh, we send out a mailing list fairly regularly. Sure. But it's probably the best way to find out everything going on. And then, you know, follow us on Bandcamp. Everything gets announced there. We put mm-hmm. up messages on there, too. Yeah. So. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, I do want to say again, thank you so much for coming Absolutely. on. Thank you. A real yeah. pleasure. Yep. Uh, it's been great. Take yep. care. Thank you, Bill. All you, right. too. Yep. Thanks so much for listening today. We are No Wristbands. We drink for free. Music, of course, has been provided by Merlin Wall. Please check them out on Spotify or on Bandcamp. Please also subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at No Wristbands and check out our website at NoWristbands.com. 